Week three, Jonah, the prophet who would not speak, who wouldn't speak. How many of you have enjoyed the first two weeks in Jonah? I've enjoyed the first two weeks in Jonah. I've enjoyed looking at Jonah's life. And we're going to take a little bit of a different twist here this morning. We've looked at Jonah. We looked at how he has responded to God's call and the impact of his disobedience and running from God and just how that relates to us as well. But today and then next Sunday, as we conclude the the series in Jonah next Sunday, these two messages are going to be about God and about how we view God and who God is and his reflection and his glory and what he desires. And so this is what we're going to look at here this morning and then next week. So before we get into God's word, before we we dive into this third message. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, I just thank you for the privilege of uh, coming together and submitting to the truth of your word. God, it is your word that changes us, and your word tells us that it's not by might, not by power, but, but by your spirit. It's, that, that's, it's by the power of your spirit that you work in us. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to open my mouth to preach the word and to exalt Christ. And Lord, I pray that your people, Lord, would have receptive hearts to receive with gladness the, the words that come from you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was uh, in Old Navy yesterday. Bought this sweater here yesterday. I needed a new sweater. I've been wearing the same gray one and white one for a little while. So I said, saw 50% off. And Old Navy always has 50% off, right? So I saw, was in, got this sweater and I got in line. There's a long line. And there's nothing like sermon illustrations when you're in Old Navy and where, wherever you go. And so I'm, I'm in line and there's a, there's a mom there with a little girl in the buggy. And the little girl looked to be about four years old. She looked four to five years old. And, and you know, like at any good store, you, you're in line and they have stuff on either side of you for you to look at while you're waiting to try to get you to buy. So they got snacks on the right side and they got jewelry on the left side. So the kid wants all the snacks and then the mom is looking at jewelry and she takes a ring off of the jewelry rack and she puts it on her finger. It would have been on her, her left hand on her ring finger. And the little girl speaks up and says, Mommy, you need to marry Daddy. And then she said, again, Mommy, when are you going to marry Daddy? And, and the Mommy apparently wasn't trying to shush her and was okay with what she was about to say loud enough for all of us to hear, especially me right there. I mean, she was literally right in front of me. And she looked at her four-year-old daughter approximately and said, and said you, don't have, you don't have to marry somebody if you don't want to. You don't have to marry somebody just because people tell you you have to marry them. And then she made this statement. She said, you don't have to do anything just because someone says you have to. That's literally what she said. And she was proud of the statement because she wasn't like whispering it. She was talking normal tone. She was proud of the fact that she was giving her daughter this world-class advice. And so I just thought about that statement. Let's, Let's walk that statement out logically in all its conclusions. You don't have to do anything that someone tells you to do just because they tell you you have to do it. Really? How does that work in life? Right? It doesn't work in life very good. And this is how we are as human beings. This is the result of the fall that we want to be a God unto ourselves. And we want to take God and create him into our own image. 
We want to remove God from his throne of transcendence and authority as the lawgiver in this life. And we want to remove him from that. And we want to be a God unto ourselves. And we want to raise our kids to believe that you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Just because somebody says you have to do it. And that's how we want to raise our kids today. And this is very reminiscent of Romans chapter 1. Listen to what Romans 1 says. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So they, they, they knew about God, but they didn't want to honor him as God. And they didn't want to give thanks to him. And they became futile. That's, fut- that's futile thinking right there. I don't know this lady's story, but whatever, what she told her daughter was, that's futile thinking. That doesn't work in life. There always has to be right and wrong and laws and justice for our society to, to, to work. That's futile thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. So they want to remove the God of transcendence and power and authority. They want to remove him for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So what what do we do as human beings apart from God's restraining grace? We just make gods of everything, of ourselves of the birds, of the trees, of drugs, of alcohol, of sexual pleasure. You go down the list. We make gods of everything, and we want to replace the transcendent, holy God. This is what Isaiah 55 says about God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And in this story in Jonah, we're about to start learning something about God and who he is and his ways and how he does things. And Jonah is about to run up in this story against a decision that God's going to make that he doesn't like. He's about to face a situation where God does something that he doesn't like. And this is the title of the message here today, When God Does What He Pleases. When God does what he wants. When God does what pleases him. And how do we respond? And how is Jonah going to respond? And Jonah has a choice. And Jonah, we're going to see, needs a serious realignment of his perspective. It's going to get even worse as we look into next week's message. He needs a serious realignment of his perspective of what is good and what is true and what is right and and his view of who God is. And so let's go into the text, Jonah chapter 3. We're going to read the last verse of chapter 3. And we're going to read the first four verses of chapter four. So just before we we read it, where did we leave off last week? Jonah got the second chance, didn't he? Because that's who God is. He gives us second chances when we royally blow it. If we will humbly come and repent and surrender to him and say, 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 Lord, I've blown it. I own my sin. I've owned my mistakes. God is always ready to give us second chance after second chance after second chance. And, And Jonah was a recipient of a second chance. And what did he do? He obeyed. He went, he obeyed, he preached repentance to Nineveh. And what happened in Nineveh? They believed God. They repented over 600,000 people, an entire city from the king all the way down. They repented. And this is what we looked at last week, so we're going to pick up right after their repentance. Look at Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? 
That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry, Jonah? Do you do well to be angry? So here's what we're going to look at here this morning. In these verses right here, these five verses, we're going to look at four things that we learn about God. Four things that we learn about God. And here's the first thing that we learn about God. And it kind of, it, we come up against a challenging section of scripture here in Jonah 3.10. But here's what we learn about God. God is unchanging in his character and purposes. God is unchanging in his character and purposes. Look what it said there in Jonah 3.10. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. Have you ever come upon a scripture like that in the Bible that confuses you a little bit about God and you say, well, I thought God didn't change. What does it mean he relented? And when you study that word relented out, a part of the meaning is a change of mind. And so for us, sometimes we come upon scriptures like that and we think, how does that, how do I reconcile this idea that God changed something and if his plans are forever settled in heaven and, and he's omniscient and all knowing and knows the end from the beginning, how does that work that God relented or changed his mind? And so I want to help us here today. I don't want to just pass over that scripture. I want us to firmly understand this first thought about God that God is unchanging in his character and purposes, in his character, his nature and his purposes. He does not change. That's what scripture tells us. Psalm 102, 25 through 27. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth, speaking about God, and the heavens are of the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will all pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The world we live in, it's constantly changing, right? Cultural trends change. People change. Ideas about truth and righteousness and goodness. Ideas about what we should value and focus on is constantly changing. Media is constantly changing. We live in a world of change constantly. But God, what does Psalm 102 say? It says that God remains the same. He never changes. Malachi 3.6 says this as well. The Lord declares, for I, the Lord, do not change. I do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For I, the Lord, do not change. Very bold declaration from the Lord. He says very clearly, I don't change. Who I am does not change. James 1, 16 through 17, listen to this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I love that, that imagery there. Shadows are shifting and they change and they move. But who is God? He's forever settled. He's firm. He's unmovable. He's unchangeable because his purposes are forever settled. His character and his nature, they never change. I want to read this to you, this, this, this concise idea of what I'm saying here. God does not change. Change is either for the better or for the worse. You guys follow me there? Change is either for the better or for the worse. Both are inconceivable with God. He couldn't get any better and he wouldn't change for the worse. There is nothing about him that needs to change. So when, when we say that God does not change, what we're saying is, is that God does not change in any way his character 
or purposes. His nature, his character never changes. So when we're thinking about Nineveh and we're thinking about repentance and judgment and grace and mercy and, and this, the context of, that we're seeing here, let, let's, let's declare some things about who God is. What is God's character and nature? Well, first of all, God is love. God is love. God is mercy. God is goodness. God is forgiving. These are all true of God. He's love. He's mercy. He's goodness. He is forgiving. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to give forgiveness to those who are repentant. He's love. He's mercy. He's goodness. He's forgiving. But God also is justice. God is judgment. God hates evil and loves righteousness. And all of these attributes and these character traits of God, that they are revealed to us in Scripture. As you study Scripture, you learn who God is, his character and his nature, and who he is, and what, what, what he values, and, 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 and how we should see him and recognize him in our world. So let's look back in Jonah 3.10 with in mind this contrast of God's love and his judgment, of his mercy and his, and his justice, and how he hates evil and loves righteousness. Let's look back at Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did, and what did the Ninevites do? They repented. They turned. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God is unchanging in his character and his purposes. So, did God change in Jonah 3.10? Did God change? No. It was Nineveh that changed. It was Nineveh that changed. And God, this is so key, listen. And God responded to their repentance with a blessing which is consistent with his unchanging nature. God does not change. He is consistent. His purposes are forever settled in heaven. His nature, his character never changes. That God does not change, my brothers and sisters, is so good for us. What does it mean? How do we benefit in this reality that God never changes, that he is forever the same? What it means is is that, is that his love is forever. It means that his forgiveness is forever. It means that whenever you become a Christian and you repent of your sins and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it, it, what, what it means is, is that God doesn't hold your sins against you and hold it over your head for the rest of your life and you've got to earn your salvation. No, his forgiveness and his mercy and his love is forever because he is unchanging. His salvation is forever. His promises are forever. Amen? He's unchanging. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God is unchanging in his character and his purposes. We see this in the story of Jonah. When, they, when God responded with forgiveness to the Ninevites, it demonstrates to us that whenever we respond in repentance, because God never changes, if he did it for Nineveh, he can do it for us. If he responds in forgiveness for anyone, he can do it for everyone. Because that's who he is. That's his unchanging character. Hebrews 13.8 says this about, uh, uh, he says this about Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is unchanging in his character and his purposes. And it's so important that as we begin, we're going to go through this, 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 the rest of this message. And there's some big thoughts we're going to unpack here about how we respond when we don't get what we want in our life. But we have to set our view correct 
before we get into there. God is God and we are not. And his character is unchanging. His purposes are unchanging. He knows the end from the beginning. And he will always respond to us in accordance with what his word has revealed to us. It's who he is. The second thing that we must understand about God as we see in this story is that God doesn't ask us for permission. He's unchanging in his character his purposes, and his nature. And God doesn't ask us permission for anything. He doesn't have to ask us for permission. Why is that? Because he's God and, and I am not. Let's look at, back at the text. We, we, we read the whole text there, but it says back again, but it displeased Jonah that God was merciful. It displeased Jonah that God was God. And Jonah even says, I know that you are merciful. I knew this is why I ran away because I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I don't like those people. You got to read between the lines there. I don't like them. And I knew this is who you were. I know your character and I know your nature. And I didn't want to go. God doesn't ask us for permission to do anything that he does because he's God and we are not. Jonah was exceedingly angry. He was angry because God didn't do what he wanted God to do. What did Jonah want God to do? He wanted to take the lightsaber, a a lightsaber, and just destroy them all. Send bolts of lightning. When Jonah went to Nineveh and he went around and and spoke judgment upon the whole city, he was waiting. We're going to see next week, he even goes, sits on top of a mountain, overlooking just perchance that God may bring judgment. He wants to watch what's going to happen to Nineveh. He wanted bolts of lightning and an earthquake and he wanted bloodshed. He wanted them to be destroyed because of their wickedness. He was angry. God didn't say, Jonah, you you think it's okay if I just be who I am to these people? Is it okay, Jonah, if I give them forgiveness and reconciliation and a second chance? He didn't. God doesn't have to do that because he's God. This reality is something that is important for us to understand. God doesn't owe us an explanation for the reasons why we don't get what we ask for. God doesn't owe us an explanation for any decision he makes to our life or through our life or or in our life for what he hasn't prevented or for what he didn't give. He doesn't owe us an explanation. Why? Because he's God. He's omniscient, all-powerful, the creator of the universe. He is the potter and we are the, the clay. Can the clay say to the potter, what are you doing with me? No, he's the potter, we're the clay. And here, here's what I'm afraid of. If we're not careful, if we're, if we're not careful, when life circumstances don't go our way, the way that we want, we can be tempted to, re- to relate to God like he's one of our peers. Right? We can be tempted to relate to God and say, say, God, why didn't you? God, you should have. You would be so much more of a better God if you would have done this, or you would have done it this way. God, 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 I'm, I'm angry, I'm mad. Why didn't you do that? And if we're not careful, we can, just as, as if I could get angry, upset at one of you, I can come to you and say, why didn't you do this? You should have done that. If we're not careful, we can relate to God like he's one of our peers and that we can, we can talk to him like that. You know, there's this song. There's this song that comes on the radio, and I don't remember the name of the song, but you'll know the name of the You'll know the song when I say this line, and I want to preface before I say this line that I don't believe that the artist of this song is implying what could be implied from his statement. I'm just saying that this is how I feel. I'm going to tell you how I feel when I hear this line. So here's the line of the song. 
I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? Have y'all heard that on Life Songs, Caleb? Of course, the next line of the song says, I did, I made you. Right, And so the artist is writing a song about poverty and, and destruction and pain and all the things going on in this world and the, the brokenness. And he says, I shook my fist at heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? And so there's a part of this that, yes, we're, we can be angry and not understand. And, and God's okay with our anger. Read the book of Psalms. He's okay with our anger and he's okay with our complaints. He's okay. You can come with your anger and your complaints, but if we're not careful, we can bring God down to our own level. And I cringe at this idea that I would ever shake my fist at heaven. Why is that? Because God is holy. And here's what I think happens in our world today, and especially in the church world today. It's so easy to lose sight of this reality that God is holy. We want a God that is on our level. We want a God that we can bargain with. We want a God that we can manipulate and control and get to do what we want. And when he doesn't do it, we get mad at him and, and tell him, you need to do it differently this time, God. I didn't like how that turned out for me. But God is other than us. He's not like us. He is our creator. He is holy. And we need a return in our hearts, in my heart, and in your hearts, and in the church today. We need a return to the, back to a view of the holiness of God. God is not like us. This is what Jonah was missing. How dare Jonah ever question God's mercy or God's decision? He's not God. God is God. Jesus is not my best bud. He's not my best friend that I hold hands with and run through the field. He's holy. He's God. He's not a means to my own agenda. God, and God is not needy. God's not needy. He's not waiting around in heaven for us to fill something in his heart that he's missing. God is all, he's self-sufficient. He is all in all. He's not lacking anything. This is who God is. Listen to what Isaiah says about God. You've heard this before. I've read it before. Isaiah chapter six, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We need a vision of the Lord in his holiness and his power. Sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, what, what did they say about God? They saw the Lord. What did the, the seraphim and the angels say about God? What did they say? They said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And what did Isaiah, what was Isaiah's response to the holiness of God? Woe is me. For I am lost, I am undone, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes, for my eyes have seen the King. This is who God is. He's not, he's not, he's not like us. He's God. We can't reduce him down to human levels and think, and think that, that we can have this relationship with him like we have with, with our best friend. That's not who God is. God is holy. God is other than us, and there must be a reverence. So yes, we come with our questions. We come with our complaints, but come with the understanding of who God is, and this is what Jonah was lacking, and this is what we lack from time to time. We need to come with this understanding that he is holy, that he owes no man anything. You guys okay? Yeah. It's challenging to think about those things because that's what we want. We want, God, we want God, God, I just want you to be my best friend. God wants to be my friend. God, God, God needs a friend. And I want to be God's friend, right? 
That's how we view God. No, we must first come before we can ever be a friend of God, a called a child of God, called a friend of God. We must first see him as holy. This is who he is. The third thing that we see is that, 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 that we must, this is what we must pray. We must pray, and this is what Jonah needed to pray, because he didn't see correctly. He needed to pray, Lord, help me see correctly. And this is the third thing that we understand about God, is that God's plans far exceed our short-sighted vision. So God is unchanging in his character and his nature. He never changes. And we must see God for who he is as holy. And thirdly, God's plans far exceed our short-sighted vision. Look, look back there. Let's see what Jonah's vision was. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. You want to talk about short-sighted, right? He said, God, you, you were faithful to be who I knew you would be. You were faithful to give mercy, and I knew that's who you were. And Jonah's vision was so short-sighted, he said, it's better that I die. It's be- I, because I didn't get what I wanted, because these people got mercy and they didn't deserve it, I would rather die than live. That is the epitome of short-sightedness, wouldn't you say? God's plans far exceed our short-sighted vision. When we don't get what we want, we have to say, Lord, help me to see correctly. When the circumstances of my life go a route that I never thought would come, we must say, God, yeah, I don't understand. And yes, I'm angry and I don't understand. And there's questions I have, but God, help me to see. Help me not to point the finger at you and say, God, it's your fault. Why did you do this? Help me to humbly come before a holy God. Say, God, change my vision. You don't need to change, but God, help me to change. Help me to see correctly. All Jonah could see was, 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 was what was right in front of him. He was refusing to change his perspective. He didn't ask God to help him see beyond his immediate circumstances. And from time to time, we're the same way. Our vision can be so short-sighted. Do you remember, do you remember in, do you remember in uh, Mark chapter 9, there's a young boy, he's got demon spirits and they're casting him into the fire and the, the father comes to Jesus and says, I want you to pray for him and, 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 and let's, let's pick up that story in Mark 9 and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood and then has often cast him into the fire and into the water to, 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 to destroy him. But, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if, if you can, all things are possible to, for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. This is what I thought about when I thought about our situations in our life. You know, there's times where we have so much unbelief. We have so much struggle because of things that are going on in our life. And this is a good cry. We say, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. And I'm tempted to, 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 to blame you and to be mad at you and be angry at you. But God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm torn in my heart. I don't get it. God, help me to see correctly. Help me to believe and to really know that your plans are far greater than my short-sighted vision. Help me to really believe and to know that what I see right here in the pain and the struggle and my unanswered prayers and my situation, help me to believe and to know that there's something good on the other side of it. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you been there? Lord, help me to see correctly. Help me to evaluate the circumstances of my life through your eyes. I had dinner 
on Friday night with Ronnie and Debbie Matheny. I can't go into all the details of their story, but if you remember a few years back, they had a train company that decided to build a train. These people from China came in. They were going to build a train, a railway, and a, 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 a train railway through, through Kenya. And literally, when you look at the pictures, the railway went directly through the middle of their entire property. Not just like you would think a little bit on the right, a little on the left. No, it was right through the middle of all their buildings. And their property was very long but narrow, 13 acres long but narrow. And it just literally all their buildings had to be destroyed, had to be torn down so this railway could come through. And I remember the service. Pastor Renee was here. We got the word. And I remember the service. And we prayed. And here was the prayer. God, stop the train. Binding, Binding the devil, cursing the devil, rebuking the devil. The devil's bringing a train through their property. Lord, help me to see correctly, Lord, because now, what has happened now? They're in this long, they've been in this long process, but now God's the one who sent the train. They're going to get millions of dollars to rebuild all of those buildings on bigger property, better property. So, so they, they said, whoa, stop praying to stop the train. <laughs> stop, praying to, stop praying to stop the train. Now, look, they've gone through a long journey, and we heard their story on Friday night. But I wanted, I wanted to tell that story because I wanted you to see the contrast. We're so quick to say the devil did this and the devil did that, and we've got to pray against that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God is holy. God is sovereign. God's in control. Nothing's out from under his purview. He sees it all. And what may appear to be a, a train coming through your life and through your, through your circumstances, what appears to be bad, just wait. Just hold on. The train coming through your life right now, for, it, it, it could be for your good, and you don't see it. It will be ultimately for your good. You may not be able to see it as good yet, but I, I believe, Lord. But help my unbelief. Help me to see the train correctly. God's plans far exceed our short-sighted vision. All Jonah could see was that he didn't get what he wanted. All he could see was that God did something that he didn't like. God's plans are not about us. And this is, this, is, this is what we ended with last week. Our obedience is not about us. God's plans are not about us. And this is where we get all mixed up in our life and we struggle when we, when we hurt, when things don't go well for us, is that we're so focused here and now and on our life that we forget that God is about other people. God's about him getting glory he wants to bless you because he wants you to be a blessing. He wants to heal you so that, so that you will be a blessing. He wants to, to prosper you so that you can help others see the beauty of the gospel. You know, Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh worshipped a God called Dagon. They worshipped a God called Dagon. And the root word of the, word, the, the false god Dagon is the word D-A-G, dag. And it literally means little fish. So Nineveh worshipped the fish god. So God put Jonah in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights to go to a group of people who worshiped a fish God. And you know the story went around. Here comes Jonah in the middle of this fish. And, he, and, 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 and people will say, scientists will say that, it, that, 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 that the acid that would have been uh, connected to Jonah's skin for three days and three nights, that when he got out the fish, he would have been blazing white because of this acid that would have impacted his skin. So here comes Jonah, and he's got a story to tell. To these people. It wasn't about Jonah. 
It was about them. They were worshiping false gods. And we live in a world today, they're worshiping fish gods and money gods and sex gods and and pleasure gods. And they're running after all these false gods. And and we know the true, one true God, the forgiver of sins, the the God of mercy and, and grace. And they're looking to us. And we need to be blazing white with God's glory. So when God works through us it, it, and in us, it is not for us, it's for others. God's plans far exceed our short-sighted vision. As we conclude here, as we get to this last point, God has a question for the prophet Jonah now. He's angry, he's suicidal, he wants to die. He's so short-sighted in his vision. He, di- he didn't get to control God like he wanted to. And God says, okay, I got a question for you. Let's go to the text. And you heard it earlier when I read it. It says, and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And this is the question that we all need to be asked when we're struggling with what's going on in our life and we're angry and we're frustrated. God wants to ask us, do you do well to be angry? So here's, here's the fourth thing, fourth thought here in this message. We do well to close our mouths and bend our knees. We do well to close our mouths and bend our knees. Hidden in this question is a statement to Jonah. The question is, Jonah, do you do well to to be angry? But hidden in that question is a statement. And here's a statement. Jonah, Jonah, you're missing the point. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? You're missing the point, Jonah. You have allowed your short-sighted vision to rob you of the greater reality of my purposes in the earth. And so here's what I want to tell us all today. We do well to close our mouths and to bend our knees in, in humble surrender to the Lord. When it doesn't make sense, when it's too difficult to say, God, you're sovereign, you're unchanging, you're in control, and I don't get it, I don't understand it. Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help me to see. All I see is that the train's going through my property and that the ministry's going to be stopped. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to see that you're in the train. Help me to see that you've not abandoned me. Help me to see that you're there. We do well to exchange our human level of thinking for a heavenly perspective. Do you remember Peter? Peter gets asked by Jesus and the other, Jesus asked Peter and the other disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Elijah, some say this and that. And Peter said, but but I know who you are. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, his flesh and blood's not revealed that to you, but that, that, that revelation only comes from my father in heaven. That's where salvation comes from. It's from our heavenly father in heaven, that revelation of who I am. And then Jesus says, okay, so you believe I'm the Christ, but I got a train for you. I got a train that's going to come through and, and you're not going to understand what's happening here. It's going to seem like destruction. And what, what was the train? Jesus said it, Matthew 16, right after Peter's bold declaration. Jesus said from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and the third day be raised. And Peter's like, no, you're the Christ. You are the Christ, the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're not supposed to die. This is a train wreck to my plan. God, Jesus, you, 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 what, what do you mean go to Jerusalem and be killed 
be tortured, be killed. That No, this is not it. And what did Peter say? Peter, Peter pulled him aside, began to rebuke the Lord, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's what we need, my brothers and my sisters here today. In those moments when we don't get it, we don't understand it. God, I just can't figure it out. When you, when, when you do what you please, when you do what you want, when you don't answer my prayers. God, God we, 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 we are like Jonah. We do get angry. We do feel like it's, there's, it's not worth it. We need to begin to see like God sees. This is what Jesus told Peter. You're thinking like a human. You're not thinking from a heavenly perspective. We do well. Peter, you do well. Close your mouth, bud. This is not going well for you here. Close your mouth. Bend your knees. Surrender to the Lord. We do well to say, yes, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? earthly perspective heavenly perspective he knows the cross is coming he knows the greatest pain he will ever experience in this life as a human being he's about to have to walk through he knows he's going to be separated from his father and look what he says in Luke 22 and he came out and went as was his customs in the mountain of olives and his disciples followed him and when he came to the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you're willing, God, remove this cup from me. God, I don't understand the train. I don't understand the train that's coming through my life that looks like it's going to destroy everything I know. What did Jesus say? However, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We do well to close our mouths and bend our knees as our Lord did. To the pain that 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 is that was unspeakable, to the pain that he took for us, he surrendered all of his life for us. He said yes to it. In my studies in this section, I, I came across an article by a pastor that I didn't know that you've never heard of. He pastors a church in Minnesota called Cities Church. His name is Pastor David Mathis. I just wanted to read this to you. It's going to be on the screen. You can follow along. Listen to this. Left to our own ways and assumptions, we would never see our darkest day as a time for us to discover peace. We would never see the wilderness as a place where we could find life. We would never see in our heaviness the possibility of supernatural joy. But God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. He takes the pain and suffering we never would have chosen. And not just despite them, but in them and because of them. He makes us increasingly like his son. Even as his son embraced his darkest day and wilderness and heaviness at the cross for our everlasting salvation. Isn't that powerful? 
That's who our God is. He's unchanging in his character and his nature. He's a holy, sovereign God that's in control, that we can trust. He's good. He's merciful. He's kind. So I don't know what you're going through here today, but I just want to tell you, take your anger and your complaints and your frustration, bring them to the Lord, lay them at his feet, but then close your mouth and bend your knee and say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I lay all of this at your feet. And let's not be like Jonah. Let's not, let's not be so short-sighted that we forget that God is in control, that he knows what he's doing. All Jonah could see was what was, was, was what was right in front of him. We do well to surrender our complaints, our worries and frustrations over unto the Lord. And we do well to bow before him with open hands and open hearts. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me here this morning? I want us to pray. I, I want us to put into action what, what we heard here today. We all need to do it. I don't, I don't know if you're going through a very difficult time right now in, in your life. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't feel the weight of this and it's not really burning in your heart. But the time's going to come where you're going to need to re- remember this message. Because we, we, we're either going through something, we're, we're in the middle of something, or we're, we, we just got on the other side of something, but we're going through something all the time. We're going in, we're coming out. And we need to be reminded, God, help me to see you correctly. Help me to surrender. So let's do that. Let's, let's, do, let's, let's come with open hands and bended knees. And I know it may be difficult for some of you to, to kneel down, so don't, there's no judgment if you can't kneel. But if you can kneel, let's just kneel. Let's just kneel. You can turn around at your seat. Let's come with open hands and bended knees. We do well. So Lord, I don't know all the situations that are represented here today. But you do. Because you are an all-knowing, all-sovereign God. You know the end from the beginning and you knew what was going to be in our life and the circumstances we'd be facing. So, Lord, we bring our frustrations, our complaint, our anger. God, we lay it all down here today. God, we say we don't understand. God, why did that have to happen? Why did I have to get sick? Why did my loved one have to get sick? Why did I have to go bankrupt? Why did I lose my business? Why did my child have to die? God, I don't understand and I don't know why. And God, it hurts and it's difficult, Lord. It's hard, Lord. But Lord, I come to you, I put my hand on my mouth and I let my, my life, my, my kneeling, my surrender to you speak. And God, I say I surrender. I trust you. Help me, help me to see, God, I believe, but help my unbelief here today. God, I believe, but help me to see correctly through your perspective. Lord, we don't want to be like Jonah, despairing for our life just because things haven't worked out like we wanted God, we want to be in awe of your goodness and your mercy in every season that we face. So, Lord, we surrender it all here today. And I thank you for your precious people here today. We encourage them today. Encourage them here today. Lift up the brokenhearted and the weary. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I love you.
you are dismissed. I'll see you next week.